So you're philosophical? Well, like we say, if you can't lick them... Uh, Join them. Uh, put them on with a big piece of tape is what we say. Oh. I got that rhyme. It's okay. But then you hit record and you're out the door anyway. Our whole relationship is a CD skipping away. Crush on the Hello, we're back. Hi. Hello, hello, hello. It's uh, it's Andrew Marvin. I'm not familiar with his work. We missed you last week, man. I know. I'm so sorry. I've been the worst yeah. third wheel of all time. But I relocated to a new residence, which was very nice. And then I was in Washington D.C. for the Easter weekend, and so it's been a rattler busy beginning of spring. But I have returned triumphantly with you, gentlemen. And you sound better than ever. Well, thank you. So do you. Thank you. Did you get to like find Easter eggs on the White House lawn? We did not. Um, we were supposed to see the Cherry Blossom Festival, which is supposedly extraordinary. However, uh, the weekend that we were down there, the Cherry Blossoms had not yet arrived. And so uh, it was more of a Cherry Bud Festival of sorts. And <laughs> uh, But the monuments were still uh, quite splendid. They were monumental, I would imagine. They were, you could say that they were monumental, yes. Hooray. Hooray. <laughs> oh, my God. So Archer Season 3 is on Netflix, listeners. Yes. Yes, finally. I've only and, watched and the first three. And Season 4 is about to wrap up. Oh, my God. I've only watched the first three, but I was very pleased with it. Yeah, Season 3 is on. Oh, that's the um, Heart of Archness arc. It is it? the Heart of Archness arc. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Archers of Loaf Cross. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't wait to... Spend more time with it. So how are you guys? How's your uh, last four to six weeks been? Pretty good. I, I was just in Philadelphia last night. Uh, Philly? Yeah. Um, well, not last night. The night before last, Friday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the yeah the nightclub that my the 80s dance party sex dwarf I like to go to. That was their penultimate night on Friday. The, Did you just uh, say sex party? Sex, sex dwarf. It's the 80s oh. dance party. <laughs> Like, and, I've never uh, been to a sex party. Neither have I. <laughs> and so, yeah, and so, fluid. The nightclub where that's uh, where that was. That uh, Friday <laughs> night was their penultimate night. Is that a joke? You went to a sex party at a place called Fluid. <laughs> no, that's really the club's name, and the party's name is called Sex Dwarf. But there's no sex involved. Damn it. Anyway, hmm. yeah. So yeah, they, uh, yeah, that that venue because uh, their last party was last night. Um, Something called Tasty Treats, which featured DJ Questlove and DJ Jazzy Jeff spinning. It keeps getting better and better. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't go to that. Mm. You can follow them on Twitter at Fluid Philly. Not anymore. You can't. They're gone. Damn it. They shut the place down. Shut down. Yep. One of their hashtags is Tasty Treats. Yep. This so, is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. So it's over. They're, they're gone. So, yeah, I'm a little sad. But I got to see I'm all my sorry. friends there one last time. Well, that's good. And they, uh, you know, they can't bust them for this retrospect retroactively because the place is closed. They uh, kept the party going on past closing time to like 3 a.m. Awesome. The second floor space is small, but somehow everyone seems to fit. The jokes write themselves. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh. So, yeah, the next big music-related thing is I'm seeing Sparks in a couple weeks. Sparks. Woo, me too. A band we still have not talked about. 
Well, I'll, maybe we'll pick something. I'll pick the uh, the new live album that they're putting out. What did you guys talk about while I was gone? Anything good that I would like? Um, we talked about like no. R two picks though. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, um, nah. <laughs> I think I think I think the uh, the the uh, weeks in which uh, you aren't there are usually kind of fillery. <laughs> we need you, Sorry man. About that, we need you. I thought uh, you guys might have some sort of Debo extravaganza, or you know. No, no, we just kept with our picks. We talked up uh, the David. Chasm. We talked uh, the new David Bowie record a bit. Oh, I haven't heard the whole thing. Oh, you got to get on that. You got to get on that. You know what I've been listening to yeah, a lot that awesome. I'm somewhat ashamed of is the new Justin Timberlake album. I I've, I kind of want to hear that because I I thought that uh, Future Sex Love Sound was actually like a really good record. I know very little about the JT. However, everyone was, you know, ranting about how this was going to be great. And I heard that the last one was pretty good, although I know virtually nothing about it other than he brought Sexy back, for which I'm very thankful. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I happened to – I think I listened to – because iTunes had a preview of it for, you know, X number of days. You could listen to the whole album or whatever. And I listened to it, and uh, then I kind of bought it on a whim. And it's pretty good. It's not like – extraordinary like I've, I think I've decided that I only really like three tracks and um, the rest are kind of devoid of any any real depth despite being long songs um, mm-hmm. but I do I mean it feels it feels like a quality sort of pop record as opposed to you know whipping your hair back and forth or something like that it does it is well produced and and it is quite polished and everything but for a majority of the record, I would say that I don't, I still don't really enjoy that kind of music. But there are a handful of tracks that are quite well done. I do want to check out the song "Suit and Tie" because I mean, I I pride myself on tending to be well dressed, mm-hmm. so and I've heard some of the well dressed people of the internet's praising that track. So, yeah, I like the um, "Suit and Tie" is one of the tracks that I rather enjoy. I like the beginning, which is kind of a slower groove part, and I like the the main riff. Also, I'm not a huge fan of Jay Z's sort of rap breakdown at the end. I guess that, that would be a bridge. Um, I don't think it really does much for the song or has anything to do with anything, but um, still, it's uh, it's nice as far as pop goes. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember how to it's, use a text editor. What am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny because I've actually like heard that a, a few uh, times about the uh, – jay-z section that like a lot of people seem to think that that is kind of weak and i i haven't really like sat down with it yet so i don't have an opinion either way but i'm just saying that i've uh, I've heard that from many people that are like yeah my favorite tracks are other than suit and tie hang on what is it called 2020 2020 experience um push your love girl is very good the first track um, I really like that one. Suit and Tie is pretty good as far as singles go. And I also like Strawberry Bubblegum. The rest of the songs, and I guess Mirrors is the other single, and I think he did that on SNL to to rave reviews. But I don't know if I really, I don't know if Mirrors really lands lands with me. But I'd say about half the album is is quite enjoyable for me. The rest is kind of borders on annoying and or meaningless. <laughs> but I recommend it, even if you're... Uh, you know, like me and know nothing of pop sensibility. Cool. Uh, uh, um, maybe yeah. I'll check it out. Maybe, maybe maybe it can be a pick in the future. I don't know. I almost did it this week, but then I was like, eh, I got to ease back into this. Yeah. So <laughs> why don't we let you uh, talk your pickup this week? Okay. Uh, let's see here. 
I'm bringing it up. Okay, so I've been meaning to talk to you guys about this album for a while now, and I didn't know if I should do it as a pick or if I should, or if I should um, just kind of bring it up as a a secondary topic. But my pick is a, a compilation called Zappa Picks by Larry Lalonde of Primus, and this is a 19 track compilation of. Frank Zappa songs that uh, Larry Lalonde, who's the guitarist from Primus, put together. I think it's dated 2002. And um, it's really great. I mean, we had our Zappa episode, I forget how many how many shows ago. Um, Matt and Rich being much more well-versed in the Frank Zappa than I am. Um, but this, this compilation is uh, really fantastic, in my opinion. I don't know how it stacks up for you guys. We'll get to that in a minute. But this, for, I mean, there's there's kind of a lot to say about it because I don't know what most of these songs are from. I mean, I know I knew dumb all over going in. I knew G spot tornado and dog breath from the yellow shark, I think, but those were orchestral versions if I'm not mistaken. Um, so for, and St. Alfonso's pancake breakfast from, from apostrophe, obviously. But so most of these songs I had not heard and they are all so good and they flow so well together. I don't know how, if it's just a technical, like gapless, mix cd thing or if it's uh or what but the way that larry put these tracks together is so great and it sounds so cohesive and it has uh peaks and valleys and and the tracks flow together just extraordinarily um the track that i picked was fine girl uh and i don't even know what record that's from tinseltown uh, rebellion. Tinseltown rebellion tinseltown rebellion and uh <laughs> um it's a little just, bit of tinseltown rebellion yeah. <laughs> and um I had I've never heard that record, but on my first listen through, in addition to enjoying all the other songs, that was the song that really jumped out at me the most. So I suppose we could play a little bit of Fine Girl for the folks now. Everything on this on this compilation is uh, quite extraordinary to me, and it makes me want to go and get all the records, the original records that each track is from. Um, so I would like to hear what you guys have to say, because I'm curious. I think that you both had this album before I picked it, um, so I'm curious uh, to know. Actually, I, I, yeah. I had to get the compilation. I mean, I have all the source stuff, but right. I did not have the particular Larry uh, comp. Okay. Neither did I, but I actually, I didn't bother downloading your, your upload. I just went with, you know, I, I already have all these songs. I don't need another version of them, mm. but, I, <laughs> but I, I knew all these songs already. So, you know, I sure. think I'm, I can handle this. Okay. I don't know. I was, yeah. I mean, I was wondering why, like I thought, cause I was under the impression that you guys had had this compilation already. So I was like, why didn't they recommend this to me as, as something, as a introduction to Frank Zappa? Because as far as I'm concerned, like this is, and I read about, I feel like I read about this online at some point, but there's a, this isn't just like a greatest hits like that the record company put out, you know, which would be presumably a collection of singles and stuff. This is like, you know, a collection of the essential cuts from a real hardcore um, Frank Zappa fan, and I think that's a there's a big difference between your generic greatest hits record and a compilation compiled by uh, a diehard fan. So 
I would love to know what you guys, how you guys feel about this, uh, at least the, the order of, of tracks or the selection of tracks and whether or not they are a good entry point into the Zappa oeuvre. It's, it, it's, a, it's a nice overview. I'll, I'll give it that. Um, basically, I just I don't believe in greatest hits albums as an mm-hmm. entry point unless they're a band and someone that has a consistent career and there's some or there's someone who uh, didn't put out a lot of stuff or a lot or a lot of their stuff is crap. And uh, Zappa, I, I don't think a greatest hits album is really a fair way to get started mm-hmm. for Zappa. You really need to do a deep dive and listen to the albums because Zappa was an album focused composer as it were right. yeah yeah you can you can take parts of them out you can do things like what was the uh one greatest hits album that zappa actually put together of his own work strictly commercial no that was actually Ryko, but i think that one was a really good one i guess that was i guess the strictly commercial and strictly uh genteel series was one of the things that turned gale against Ryko, which is weird because they're both really well done compilations Okay, I know there's Understanding America, which was one Zappa put together before you died, but I think there was another one too. I think, yeah, I can't remember what the other one. Is. Oh, like um, have I offended that. someone? Mm. Which is all the have I offend- yeah, which is all the offensive songs. <laughs> yeah, and and to be honest, like I mean, there's it's cool because there's a couple of like exclusive tracks on that, but as a compilation, uh, offended is kind of wearying, especially because I mean I think it. Like, while there's a lot of, like, really good stuff on there, like the live version of Dumb All Over, it's also a little bit of some of, like, a a tour of um, Zappa's worst elements. <laughs> mm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Tinseltown Rebellion. Just because sometimes... I don't know like, if Tinseltown like, Rebellion's a good starting point, by the way, if you're looking to get into the albums. Mm-hmm. You, could do for, you could certainly do worse, but it's very much 80s Zappa, although in the realm of 80s Zappa, it's... Good eighty Zappa versus bad eighty Zappa. Mm-hmm. Back me up on this, Matt. If you if you feel like yeah, I, I I really like the Tinseltown album, but yeah, I mean it's it's not one that I would start with. It's um, and I mean honestly, I was actually a little surprised that you loved uh, Fine Girl so much, just because I mean that's I, I think it's a really great song, but it's a little well eighty Z, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the vibe I got. I mean, I think it's just uh, it's a catchy and uh, accessible tune as far as Zappa songs go. Yeah, that that's true. And I seem to remember reading somewhere, I think on uh, one of the Zappa scholarship pages, that Fine Girl was one of the ones. It was a song Zappa wrote basically after basically to stick it to the people who got offended by Jewish princess and Catholic girls. It's like all you do is write songs about girls who are dumb and have sex. It's like mm-hmm. fine, I'll uh, write a song about a, a different type of woman. Yeah can run a mile with a bucket on her head (laughs) yes oh yeah (laughs) um i guess like um i actually did download and listen to the compilation in order and all just because i was kind of curious especially because i am a primus fan also you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um as as you well know (laughs) and i was really impressed with the flow and everything i mean i thought it was like it i i was kind of expecting like Oh, okay. It's going to be some, you know, random greatest hits kind of thing, and it's just yeah. going to be a bunch of like kind of weird things stapled together. Because if you look at the track listing, you know, without hearing it, but I mean, if you just look at the track listing, I, I, like I was kind of like a little bit head scratchy on it, on some of it, you know. Mm-hmm. But just like sort of like you know, I was like, really? Like you you, you think this is going to flow? You know? Yeah. And it did, <laughs> and it, it flowed perfectly. I mean, like like Lair did a 
really amazing job on doing this. It's like it really works not only as an entry point to Zappo, which I, I like. I I think I disagree a little bit with Rich on the idea of uh, of um, using a, a greatest hits type of thing for a Zappa entry, just because. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think, like, normally I would agree that, you know, like, albums are better. But I think with Zappa, is since he was so prolific and kind of uneven, mm-hmm. you know, it, it kind of helps to give you at least a a list of, of potential albums to check out, I guess. If, if yeah. that, you know, it's sort of like, like, okay, I liked, you know say you know dog breath so i'm gonna go check out uncle mead or or whatever you know mm-hmm. i think you know i i think that that is actually like a pretty good thing for zappa just because there's so many things and i mean and really like there's like some albums that are just complete like duds mm-hmm. like in my own personal opinion so i mean it seems like you know if you if you happen to pick up like thing fish you're you're fucked you know <laughs> you're gonna go like Oh my God! This is that guy that people are really, really into. <laughs> yeah, you know, when I mean, you I'd, pick up like apostrophe, yeah. then you won the lottery. Right. Yeah, I I totally agree because I think that again, this is not a because normally I, I'm with you guys that a greatest hits compilation is generally inferior to to an album, but because of the breadth and depth of the Zappa catalog, and um, we had a whole show about how do you get into Frank Zappa and what should you do first. I feel like this is the Larry's album is no different than me asking you guys to make me a CD. Not that you, I mean, you might not, Rich might not do that because he would rather just give me one or two or three of the albums. Uh, I do it um, because I like making mixed CDs. mm -hmm. But I mean, I feel like that's what this is, is like if you were going to ask Larry Lalonde, a diehard Zappa fan, like how do, what do I need to get into Zappa? He's like, here are the 19 songs that are going to get you into Zappa. And I can't imagine any, any decent music fan listening to this compilation and not being like, okay, I at least get it, you know? Yeah. I mean, and like I said, I was really impressed with just the collection and flow and the flow is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, what it like, is like even just into from five, five, five into dumb all over, you know, what, I don't know. Everything, every track is just like extraordinary. I don't know what kind of mastery he must have over the entire catalog to be able to construct something like this. Yeah, I mean, I because like I know that there's like I think a couple of other uh, picks albums. I think there's only one, like, think, one with the guy from Fish, which ah, uh, I look. I even took a look at the track list on Wikijawaka, and it doesn't look like it's going to be nearly as as good. Mm. Then again, I'm also slightly biased because you know Fish. Fish. <laughs> yeah, I remember it was like sort of like there's like because I for whatever reason I had thought that there were three, and I I like I knew that like Lair was the only one I cared about. Mm. <laughs> You know, and um, but I guess I was wrong. There's only two, but I was right in that Lair is the only one that I cared about. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, mean, I don't yeah, know. I, yeah, go ahead, man. Works. Oh, I'm sorry. And like, because yeah, like when I when I saw these and like I I figured, oh great, is another fucking cash, and it's just gonna be like, oh hey, I I am you know somewhat famous. I'm gonna you know here's like a random collection of Zappa songs and I'm going to slap my name on it and call it good. And, you mm-hmm. know, and cause I mean, some of the, some of the Zappa compilations do kind of suffer a little bit of that. Like, like the, um, Ryko disc put out a, like two or three of the cheap thrills series, which were, which were cool in that they were only like, you know, six bucks CDs like new, but they were like kind of weirdly put together and a little bit, 
like weirdly fans only on some of the cuts that they chose and some of the versions that they chose. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, some of the ones that were like the, the goofier live versions that, you know, like if you don't know about like the, say, the the secret word um, aspect of the Zappa shows, you're just going to wonder why they're, you know, constantly rambling about, you know, the Lone Ranger and Hi-Ho Silver and shit. You know, it's mm-hmm. and seeing as those that the, the very reason for those cheap thrill CDs was to get newbies into Zappa without having to do the outlay of the full, you know, $16 or whatever. Mm-hmm. It just seemed a little weirdly counterintuitive. That said, the uh, the one with the uh, the Lone Ranger stuff, what is, what is that? You Can't uh, Do That On Stage, Volume 3? I think so, yeah. I think that's that's my favorite of the You Can't Do That On Stages. Oh, yeah. I'm not I'm not knocking those performances so much. No, I'm it's just, just it's, it's, it's fans, fans only. Right, right. I mean, like, if you don't know the song or and you don't know the... You know, the secret word shit, like, which is something that, like, if you're a fan is really, really cool and really, really fun. But if you just are don't know, you're going to go like, oh, like Montana, that's that song that everybody likes. Play it. Oh, why is it so heavy on Lone Ranger references? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't mean to be too, too ejaculatory over this, over this compilation, but I mean, I don't know if it's. If it's because the song is like, there's no, there are no gaps. And I don't know if this, again, I don't know if this is like a technical iTunes thing, but like there are no gaps between the songs. So it's, it feels so cohesive because the songs flow into one another as if they were meant to be arranged this way. It may be, it may well be editing. It's not hard to do that on a Mm -hmm. technical level. I mean, they put out a Pink Floyd, uh, double disc greatest hits a couple years, a few years back. And if there's ever a band that you don't want to do a greatest hits version, hits album with, it's Pink Floyd, <laughs> for multiple reasons. And I say this as someone who likes a lot of their stuff. Um, but they actually went and they re they edited all the songs so that they all flowed together. You know, even they edited some songs down so that they could flow, and they you know did this and that. And it's like, okay, you know, I, props for the effort, but really, um, it, it's it, it you could why not just go get like Dark Side of the Moon, Wish You Were Here. Uh, Echo, I mean, not Echoes, Metal and Piper and just use those as a, as a gateway. Mm. Yeah. I mean, like, and I, I would agree with like, uh, Rich just on the, the fact that, I mean, Pink Floyd only had what, like 10 albums, I want to say. You know, I, I think something, you're about right there. Something like that. I mean, certainly it, fewer it's than like, the... it's pushing, it's, it's, if it's in, <laughs> if it's more than 10, it's in the low, very low tens, very low, very low teens. Yeah, and I mean, I to me that I mean that's not terribly overwhelming in terms of which one do I pick. I mean, especially too because you have such gimmies as you know Dark Side of the Moon or uh, Wish You Were Here. But I mean, you know the ones that everyone talks about. You know, I mean, you can kind of figure out which which Floyd album you should get. But with Zappa, with like what was it seventy five when he was alive, <laughs> and another twenty mm-hmm. some odd, you know, after he's been dead, it's you know. It's baffling, you know. I mean, so I mean, I can, yeah. Thirteen I can studio albums, greatest hits. Yeah, thirteen studio albums for Pink Floyd. Oh, okay. There you go. I mean, that's still not terribly overwhelming to me. I think. I mean, I think yeah. that's still, you know, even if you kind of reach in at random, you're you're probably gonna get one of the, you know, the better ones. I yeah. think. You know. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're not stupid enough to pick up, say, the final cut, momentary lapse, or division bell, you're probably going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where with Zappa, I mean, it's a total crapshoot, and especially too, just because I mean, since not only with that, not only 
just on the quality issues, you know, of like, you know, stuff like Thingfish, you have so many personal taste things too. So like, like, I mean, like Hot Rats is a fucking amazing album, mm-hmm. but if you're not a jazz guy, yeah, you're, you're, it's probably going to leave you a little bit cold. Right. You know? And so, I mean, even, even with that, even if you happen to pick that one, which is more, you know, which I, and it would be, you know, another one I'd kind of consider next to like apostrophe kind of a, a winning the lottery one. You know, if if you're not an instrumental it's, <laughs> instrumental guy, you're just kind of going to go like, well, Willie the Pimp was cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. Though Willie the Pimp is worth the price of admission on its own. Oh, now, true. We, yeah, we've spent almost like 20 minutes talking about this. We, kinda, we should probably move on a little, too. <laughs> yeah, well, just to wrap up, I think that I'm curious to know if, uh, if Rich, if you made a playlist like of the all of the cuts and put them in the order i'm curious to see if it would have achieved the same effect as the larry compilation just to see if it if it is edited a little bit i'm almost certain it would flow. be i don't even yeah. need it because like saint alfonso's pancake breakfast it's if you pick with the album version it's got a very hard start because it's coming in from another track mm-hmm. so i mean it's if it's a flow it's a flow thing it has to be some like crossfading and editing and that's not a bad thing but it's just i I I'm not I'm not saying that's a bad thing at all. I'm just I know that that's it's almost certainly the case. Hmm. Because you've got live tracks here. You've got uh, I mean stuff from Shut Up and Play Your Guitar like Five 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 going into Dumb All Over because Five 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 is a live track. Dumb All Over is a studio track, and there has to be some kind of crossfading involved there. Yeah. Well, either way, I strongly recommend this compilation for people that are like me and just waiting in. And maybe up there, up to their knees by now in the in the pool of the Zappa universe. <clears throat> yeah, and I'd, I'd recommend it highly too, especially if you are, you know, I mean, it's certainly better than uh, what was it, uh, Understanding America. <laughs> mm. Mind if I take this next one? Nope. Go for it. Yeah, because I probably because Matt and I are going to have a lot to talk about with uh, his pick, so I want to let's get this one out of the way. <laughs> I think we can make this one short. Uh, my pick this week is. The third and quite possibly best album by post-punk band Magazine, and it is called The Correct Use of Soap. And uh, the there's so many standout songs on this record, but obviously I think the big one is the album Closer, uh, a song from Under the Floorboards. So let's hear a little of that now. Magazine, uh, if you're a longtime listener of the program, might be familiar to you uh, as they were in Erg, A Music War, which means Matt might remember them, Andrew... <laughs> I'm probably blacked out by that point. How late were they in the set? Fairly late. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so um, the song they did on Erg is Model Worker, which is also on this record. So this was the first one of theirs I checked out, and I just, I fell madly in love with the album. Um and magazine themselves have a have a hell of a history. Um, Howard Devoto, the vocalist, uh, originally was the vocalist for the Buzzcocks, the famous punk band. And after their debut EP, Devoto quit and started Magazine. And uh, though he would occasionally work with uh, Pete Shelley again, and Magazine put out 
the one of the most highly regarded records of the post-punk era, Real Life, a not-so-highly-regarded album, Secondhand Daylight, then the this album, and then one more album, which was not highly regarded before calling it quits. Um, DeVoto basically stopped making music, except for like one or two random side projects. Um, he had a cameo in the movie uh, 24-Hour Party People, which was about the music scene um, in Manchester and Round Factory Records, which he was a part of. Um, and uh, about five, 2008, Magazine reformed with a new guitarist, and uh, about two years ago, they put out an amazing album called Know Thyself. And you know, it's, it's great to have them back because they sound just as good as they did uh, in 1980 uh, on the new record. So uh, I just I had I woke up one morning with song from under the floorboard stuck in my head as, it, as I just want to do. And I wanted to to force it on you guys. Um, this was not difficult to to uh, to force on me. And I have to say that I am quite a fan. I have not been able to uh, delve too deeply into the record as a whole. However, um, I was enamored with the fact uh, that I saw Thank You for Letting Me Be Myself Again on uh, this record, the great funk anthem from Sly and the Family Stone. And I have to say that I love that version, the magazine version. Even vocally, I think for, for a little while it did kind of have that sort of typical new wave sort of vocal delivery that I'm that can, can grate on me from time to time. But overall, uh, I was quite a big fan, and I'm pleased to report that I have just downloaded this album to my iPhone for listening uh, outside of the show. So that's a pretty good recommendation. Also, yeah, if you like this one, you should check out their first one, Real Life. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so the impression I get is to, like basically go with the odd-numbered magazine albums. <laughs> yeah, though I do kind of I kind of like uh, the even-numbered albums too, but they they are not as good as the odd ones. It's like the opposite of the Star Trek problem. <laughs> Maybe you could do a marathon where you listen to like the first magazine record, then watch the second Star Trek movie, and so on, like so on and so forth. Uh, nobody's nobody's got time for that. <laughs> ain't, and uh, ain't nobody got time for that as the meme goes. <laughs> yeah, I, I I really dug this too for for whatever reason. I hadn't really. Um, I mean, I was aware of magazine and I liked them in Erg, but I mean. For whatever reason, I just wasn't smart enough to check them out. <laughs> and I really like this record, and especially the um, song from Under the Floorboards. But pretty much the entire record was really strong. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I dug it. Yeah, I mean, I, kind of, I really hope Magazine comes and uh, plays the States one of these days, because they haven't, when they've, since they've reformed, they've only played shows in the UK. And if, if they ever do come to the States, I want them to come to Philly and play uh, Philadelphia, because I think it's one of the few songs that really kind of captures the vibe of living in philadelphia from time to time (laughs) maybe it is right to be nervous now um yeah so there's uh so many great songs on this uh song from other floorboards too is i mean i don't know how many are any of you uh into the existentialist philosophers which ones are those i I like i like i like pie (laughs) all right because i i i took a a college course on uh on existentialism and you know one of the things we did was uh, Notes from the Underground, which was a... If you've read, ever read Notes from the Underground and listened to a song from Under the Floorboards, you'll go, Oh, I get it. Hmm. But you haven't, so shame on you. I think I've probably <laughs> read Notes from the Underground at some point, um, but not, in, not not anything that I can remember. That's uh, Dostoevsky, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. 
I really want to read the Brothers Karamazov someday, just to say that I did. Mm. But <laughs> I have yet to do that. I might even. I don't even know if I. I think I bought a, a copy when I was working at Borders. The uh, Dostoevsky novels were one of those kind of uh, like intriguing, mysterious novels that I always wish that I had the strength or the ability to read. Um, so I bought a copy of Crime and Punishment, which is very beautifully bound and everything, which I have. I think I actually tried to read it, uh, but <laughs> I've not gotten through it. I think that was assigned to me in like ninth grade English or something, which is odd, which is incredibly ambitious. But anyway. Um, it's a, uh, I, I still haven't made it through Ulysses, okay? Don't get me started. I have a copy of Ulysses because I took a seminar on James Joyce in graduate school, and I don't know... I mean, I'm sure you could do it by yourself, but, like, you think Shakespeare, Shakespeare is intense. Like, Ulysses is ridiculous. Like, in t- I mean, it starts off, you know, fairly manageable. Like, okay, you know, the first three chapters. But, like, once you hit chapter three and you get that stream of consciousness, it's, like, mind-blowing. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. And then, you know, what's the uh, what's the big chapter? I forget the big episode. There's one that's, like, constructed as a script or something um, i didn't get like, to that one before i my last go around yeah um ulysses novel wait a minute yeah i H-S- i've H-S- never read it but like my best friend ben like actually read it like a few times in high school and he, mm. he really dug it <laughs> it's a, ex- he's actually going for his doctorate now in, yeah. in english but. it's extraordinary but the um yeah the telemachia is the first part the first three episodes but then once you get into the odyssey part um, what's the last one? Nausicaa? There's one. Oh no, Circe. It was written as a play script, complete with stage directions. The plot is frequently interrupted by hallucinations experienced by Stephen and Bloom. Fantastic manifestations of the fears and passions of the two characters. Like it is ridiculous how the level of depth in this novel. Like I thought that Shakespeare was like hardcore and intense and a master of language, but like James Joyce is just like absurd. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least I made it through Portrait. Yeah, I took um, – well, that's what I was going to say is that I think it's – you really have to have a, a guide going through a novel like Ulysses because it's just – it can be extremely overwhelming. But like my my professor, um, you know, we looked at – we actually were – I did not read the whole thing, but we were supposed to read the whole thing. And we kind of talked about each episode, uh, each chapter. And, uh, you know, he made it fascinating. Like I gained a, a real appreciation appreciation from having a guide through Ulysses whereas mm. I th- if I think I think if I tried to tackle it by myself like I would collapse pretty early on just to, just to remind just to refresh my memory what is your actual um, speciality in English it's uh, well when I got I got my master's degree at Southern Connecticut State University and they don't make you specialize in anything um, but my area of interest is composition and rhetoric uh, so but you're you're writing yeah. a, a thesis on like was it medieval lyric poetry I did write a thesis on medieval lyric poetry. <laughs> that, that's what I wasn't sure about. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. I almost wanted to do one on, on Joyce, uh, but I, I had already committed to the, the Middle English. So Honestly, if you're doing one on Joyce, you'd still be working on it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, he's only – it's really Dubliner's Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man, Ulysses. You could – and Finnegan's Wake. But like in those four works, like it's just extraordinary the amount of stuff in there. Mm-hmm. I'm exhausted just thinking about it. Speaking of dense stuff. I found a shiny penny. (laughs) We should talk about uh, 
um, we should talk about. Speaking of dense stuff, let's go talk to Matt. <laughs> yeah, but we should. Yeah, we need to talk about uh, piss dip or it it piss. This pe- <laughs> I think it's like just Pepsi. Pepsi. Ipsa dipsa piss. I think is what the CD label said. Yeah, <laughs> but it's Dispepsi, which uh, is one of my favorite Negative Land albums uh, because I'm I might be kind of perverse, but a lot of times I actually do kind of prefer the more song based Negative Land than the the pure collage. Um, so uh, I, I picked one of the the more much more songy uh, tracks for my pick, uh, which is. Uh, um, aluminum or glass, the memo. So why don't we hear a little bit of that uh, now? I'm a man living in Los Angeles. Understand what a seagull is. We know about the ants there in the grass. Would the ants in the grass understand what the man's whole heart is? Do they know you can buy Pepsi in aluminum or glass? For this commercial, the I love the record. I, I like it's for me. I mean, it's so like, I mean, it's, it's a concept record about, you know, advertising and and um, well, Pepsi in general. But I mean, not really about Pepsi as in, you know, Pepsi is awesome. You should drink it because <laughs> that would probably be the worst concept record ever. <laughs> but um, just a lot about just advertising and i mean to talk about advertising they they talked about one product which was dispe- which was pepsi and so you have all of these sweets um or i mean it's like a one like kind of continuous flow with a few songs um a few of the really catchy collagey you know kind of things but again with like the the musical beat and background um and i just think it's a a really really strong strong album um and the design on it uh, by Sean Wolf is really, really good. And just, I, I, I really just think it's like a, one of those ones. It's like a, kind of a, the you know complete package. And I mean, I think it's actually like a pretty good introduction to Negative Land themselves. So that was kind of why I picked it. Like, um, but yeah, like I mean, like with like Aluminum or Glass, the memo, uh, you have the kind of the folk songy kind of thing, but then it's also interrupted with uh, like. Uh, the weatherman of negative land reading uh, a um, an actual memo from an ad agency about a Pepsi ad. Actually, it was a McDonald's ad. Oh, McDonald's ad. Okay. Yeah. There's that. Well, then they're, on they're some, just, they're on just one going the, against the concept. Yeah, <laughs> on, um, somewhere on like one of the uh, over the edge uh, discs, I think is uh, the original on is like an actual, is the original recording that the weatherman's actually basing this on. Mm. Uh, I don't know which one because, dude, the Over the Edge albums are a pain in the fucking ass to listen to. <laughs> they're really good, but yeah, I mean, they're those ones are really kind of fans only, I think. And to to get back to that 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 phrase, but yeah, I mean, it's really they're really dense. Then you have like the ones too, like the uh, uh, the Weatherman's Dumb Stupid Come Out line, where each disc is one track. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's but but yeah, I I know what you mean. It's like I I know I've heard it because I've got all the over the edges and I I dig them, but they are really hard to kind of mentally index, if that makes any sense. But um, yeah, 
but but yeah, it's um, so you have that like the um, McDonald's um, ad memo where you know where it is like you know listing of the things of you know what they're looking for where you know the the kid shouldn't be to anything. Um, we what what's the quote the um, we can visit the unknown, but we can't live there. Yeah, we can go out of the ordinary, but we can't live there. Thank you. Yes. I, just, I wish I could do the weatherman's delivery. Yeah. 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 But like the, and then, then you also have like the other, one of the other big songs on there is, um, uh, happy hero, which I really like, which is about, um, um, being, being a spokes spokesperson and all of the things that that entails, including, you know, I mean, not that the, the idea basically that you're not really just selling the product, but you're also selling yourself. I mean, that, that idea of, you know, but enough of you would doubt it and that would set me free, that kind of thing. Um, and of course, the album came out around the time the first Michael Jackson uh, abuse scandal was breaking. Right, right. And so you had that and then, you know, and it's and I mean, as we know, too, I mean, like Michael Jackson was probably one of the highest profile Pepsi uh, spokespeople. But you also have like lots of other ones, like including like the Diet Pepsi with um, Ray Charles doing the it's the, the right thing. Uh-huh. Or right thing, baby, uh huh, or whatever was. Yeah, that thing. Yeah, it's in my head, yeah. unfortunately, and I wish it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, I just remember the negative land one, the uh huh, uh huh, uh huh, <laughs> where it's like with the tape. <laughs> yeah, and and I mean, it's one of the things that like they even kind of say on the very first track about you know replacing an existing message with your own, and that's kind of what the the negative album they. Negative Land album does, which I think is really kind of cool because, like, so much now, like, when I hear one of those old Pepsi jingles, I think of the Negative Land album. I don't think of Pepsi. Which is so, probably, a, which probably a better thing, all told. All to well, all. yeah, yeah. I like Negative Land better than Pepsi. <laughs> That's the episode, the, the title of the show Negative Land, better than Pepsi. <laughs> Actually, I think I was going to go with right. for fans only. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> All right. But anyway, though, so I just like that's kind of my rambling two cents about uh, just Pepsi. So um, what did you guys think? I'm, I'm especially kind of interested in what Andrew thought, because I know that this is kind of a a weirder record. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to let Andrew talk because I, I couldn't even let you finish your spiel without putting my two cents in. Yeah, I mean, I found it to be it didn't definitely didn't stick to me as easily as the magazine record did. Um, but I I didn't hate it. I th I found it kind of a little bit overwhelming in in spots because it is fairly dense and stuff. I enjoyed the aluminum or glass section. It kind of reminded me of that sunscreen song by Baz Luhrmann. Um, no offense, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I didn't I didn't hate it. I just found it very for the the couple of of listens that I gave it. I didn't really have a chance to absorb too much uh, because of everything that was going on. So I would I have to kind of defer to to Rich on this. Okay, we're gonna have some fun here. <laughs> How much time do we have? <laughs> fifteen, roughly fifteen minutes. Um, okay. Okay. Here's this was actually the first Negative Land album I ever checked out. Um, I first heard about Negative Land through uh, a book I picked up called No Logo. Uh, it's a polemic uh, on advertising by Naomi Klein, and it's it's a big book too. Um, but it talks about all sorts of things like uh, not just the history of advertising, but culture jamming, subvertising, people modifying uh, advertisements to have different or counter 
messages the Adbusters people, for example, before they went off the rails. I know you've got opinions on that, Matt. Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. And they mentioned Negative Land and specifically uh, the album Dyspepsy. And I remember especially reading how they were worried that uh, Pepsi would sue them for the title of the album. Uh, not, not even just the content, but the title of the album. Yeah, and the cover, which is a modified version of the Pepsi logo as well. Right. But uh, I think, and remember, they actually came to Pepsi and they're like, whatever. It's just, I think there's actually, I'm almost, I don't yeah. know if this is actually the Pepsi executive no, there, that they recorded. No, there is a, a quote where they were saying, it's no Odelay, but it's a good listen because Odelay had just been released around that time and been a monster smash. And so they were trying to sound hip. Yeah, but there's also, I think, a, a quote on like the first track. Um, we just consider this part of the uh, the marketing spin of Pepsi Cola. Mm. And I don't know if that's actually a quote from one of the executives that they recorded or what, but uh, I mean, that seems to be their attitude towards it. It's like, hey, it, it's, it's mentioning us. There's no such thing as bad publicity. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, consistent's like also their first big record after the uh, the YouTube fiasco. I mean, there was Free, but Free wasn't really that great of a record. Yeah, yeah free, free. I think I think with Free, it, it has its moments, but I think they were just too stressed and burned out. And I think it was kind of more more a statement that they are still around rather than that they got that they were squashed by the U two thing. Yeah, it's like we need to put out some kind of product to replenish the coffers and let people know that we didn't get uh, completely run over. Yeah, I know that that one was actually like paid for by a fan. Like a fan was just like, "Okay, like uh, here, have some money, make a record." Yeah. So, um, I mean, I'm, it's it's not their their worst album, but <clears throat> death sentences. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wait, you hate death sentences? It's yeah, I I can't get into it. It's just too. It sounds like are, a are you talking just just the music or the book? The music. Okay, because if you're if you're dissing the book, we're gonna have to throw down. No, 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 just the music. The music sounds like bad throbbing gristle. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> sidetracked. Um, so I remember giving this a listen. I never, I wasn't really familiar with Negative Land, but it was enough to hook me. Um, and it it is it wasn't really what I was expecting because I was expecting more something along the lines of actual audio collage, which. Uh, which is interesting, I think, because I don't really know audio collage, but I, I can tell they're definitely like playing instruments on this, which I, I would have been more expecting something along the lines of uh, Evolution Control Committee. These are bands John I Oswald. Pick, John Oswald. Things I've picked up, even like the earlier Negative Land stuff, things I've picked up after that that are pretty much pure collage. Mm-hmm. But I was very impressed, and I found it very amusing, and you know, it was a very influential record for me. Um I did play around with a little bit of like making like fake advertisements and parodying advertisements that are, you can probably still find if the subvertise.org is still up, you might still be able to find some of what I crudely photoshopped uh, as a impressionable teenager. <laughs> and you know, it, it's, it's great stuff. And negative land is one of those bands that has so much depth to them that there's a lot to digest. Um, I mean, Escape from no- one could honestly just write a book on Escape from Noise alone. Yeah, yeah, or even like you know, kind of combining it with like Helter Stupid, which is kind of a part two, just because of the uh, Christianity is stupid thing. Yeah, and I get the sensation that Negative Land didn't realize the the voice and folks in Negative Land didn't know just what the hell can of worms they were opening when they did that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know that. Like, I mean, like the original thing was just like an interview or a press release to a fanzine. 
it wasn't it was not really anything that was even done to a, a to you know a quote unquote real media right and it was just you know like oh we can't tour um because they truthlessly didn't have any money so they're like we can't really tour for this um but that's because the fbi is doing blah 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 because of the david brown murder case and like oh and you you can almost in like listening to helter stupid and reading some of like uh the stuff around that so you can just sort of like sense the oh shit look on their faces yeah yeah and and i mean it's weird too because there were actually some really weird coincidences with that like um unbeknownst to negative land of course like apparently uh david brome's brother actually did some stuff with like sst like kind of like their street team where they would like send him records and he'd you know go to local record stores and put them on consignment and stuff so it's actually possible that they actually had a copy of Escape from Noise in the house. Oh, shit. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I no, you know, I mean, most likely they didn't listen to it. But I mean, still, you know, mm-hmm. they, you know, I mean, since the brother was, you know, with, you know, kind of doing a, you know, fan street teamy kind of thing with SST. Yeah, because that SST put out Escape from Noise for those who don't know. Yeah, I, I've got opinions on SST anyway. <laughs> oh yeah i think everybody does but and there's also one thing where i guess like um mark hosler was at a party once and it turned out that like at also at the party was like a family friend of the brahms and like i can't remember if it was something where like if the family friend was like oh it's that dude from negative land who did that thing about my you know this horrible family that like rocked my life or if it was just sort of, or if he was actually talking about the Helter Stupid thing and then, but yeah, basically he got chewed out by that person, which, and was sort of like, and was like really horrified. I mean, not, not that he, you know, deigned to, to, you know, yell at the, the mighty Mark Hosler, but just that, you know, oh shit, what we did actually, you know, affected people in a way that we didn't want to. We actually hurt people with this and it was, it's just really, really interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I get the feeling this was, they did not know what they were doing. It, it's it's you know they were like most of them in like their twenties at the time, like their early twenties. Yeah, I think I think most of them were. I think Don Joyce is like the only one who's a little bit older. Yeah. And, anyway, but yeah, I was just sort of like, yeah, you know, we're we're talking to a fan scene. This is in the news. Well, let's just do a joke, you know. And it ended up breaking. And like the the thing to give Negative Land credit for is that there were they did keep dropping things that would be really easy to check, mm-hmm. including like the name of the FBI agent who didn't exist, obviously. And, you know, stuff like that. But like, so, I mean, you know, it, to, to negative lands credit, they did give every, you know, opportunity to, for the media folk to not hang themselves. But, you know, that's, you know, <laughs> why, why do fact checking? That, that's for suckers. Some things never change. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so back to Dyspepsy, uh, while we still have time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, um, I, I, like I said, it was just a very influential record for me uh, at a young age. And it, Negative Lynch is one of those bands that gave me a lot to chew on. You know, they've got such an extensive discography. Um, not all of it great. Yeah. But I think... Like, know, I mean, um, I, I think Death Senses is very much worth checking out, but for the book. Because I think the know, book is amazing. Take the book and put the CD on the shelf and never put it in your machine. Yeah. And I think No no Business is kind of that way, too, where that one... I like CD No with Business. That, 
I don't know. I find it kind of boring. Like, I mean, like I like the book, but again, the the record is it's the only Negative Land album that's made only of samples. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I mean, it's got its moments, but a lot of it just seems kind of Man, okay. We're you know, reefers and reefers and reefers. <laughs> I really liked Thigmotactic, the the most recent one, which is all songs. Yeah, and that's good and too. It's, actually it's, like, it's weird, but it's good. Yeah, and that one's actually credited as Negative Land Presents because it's basically a Mark solo record mm-hmm. that all the members of Negative Land show up on for in different places, but it's mostly Mark. Right, but, but I really, really like that one. Yeah, I hope they do something new soon. I mean, I saw the live show for It's All in Your Head, which was interesting, but. You know, I don't know how much that there's much that they can do with that in that yeah, whole, I've, whole vein. I mean, I've got, I, I didn't get to see them on that tour, but, um, there wasn't much to like, see I, anyway. Yeah. I mean, I've got the record and yeah. the record is good, but yeah, I, I think it's kind of a, a kind of a complete project. I mean, I don't think that there's really supposedly they're going to do like a version, supposedly going to do like a version 2.0 based on the live shows and taking out the parts that didn't work and adding some new parts in, but. That seems to have disappeared. That's what I've heard, but I don't. I don't know if they've actually decided to do that or scrap that or what. So, but yeah, like I said, there wasn't much to see on that show. There was on that tour. They literally they handed out blindfolds to people. <laughs> you know, carnival pinata blindfolds. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and I ended up taking mine off because it was really uncomfortable and just watching them push buttons and you know move carts. <laughs> And <laughs> yeah, you know, I've seen like footage of the uh, the True False tour, which had basically right after I got into Negative Land was right around the time the True False tour had wrapped up. That's about the same for me. Like I I've got some bootlegs from, but I really wanted to see it. But I don't know if I can't remember if they like had played Seattle, but it was twenty one and over, or if they'd played Seattle and I missed it or what. But but yeah, yeah, I know they played Philly and I'd missed it. Yeah. Whether I was able to even get in is another question entirely. Okay, we got to wrap this up. <laughs> <laughs> Negative land. Uh, two out of three trust on radio uh, host highly endorse it. One out of three just endorses it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and remember, copyright infringement is your best entertainment value. <laughs> Works for us. <laughs> <sighs> so uh, where can we find each other on the internets? The universal uh, media net web. <laughs> Uh, Andrew Marvin on Twitter would probably be your best bet. You could also read outdated ramblings at andrewmarvin.net. Got to get back on that, man. Uh, at some point, it'll come back around. Don't worry. You can read a bunch of my stuff that's less outdated at kittysneezes.com. I'm also kittysneezes on the Twitter and the Tumblr and whatnot. And, of course, I'm sandspoint.com, sandspoint on the Twitter, sandspoint on the last FM. And we are Crush on Radio, crushonradio.com, Crush on Radio and iTunes. And yes, the, if you're here, if you're re- listening to this, chances are this means the iTunes feed is fixed. And I know it is fixed, but uh, this is the first we've put out something since it got fixed. Yay. Yeah. You know, feed burner, death to feed burner. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Thanks. We'll be back in about uh, two weeks, I think. And yes, indeed. Fing- fingers crossed. <laughs> Yeah, you know, give us a rating and review, and please don't hold the uh, sporadic updates against us. Yes, <laughs> it's all my fault. <laughs> all right, have a good. See you all in two. Have a, yeah, yeah. Nice talking to you all. Bye. <laughs> good show. <laughs> bye bye. Bye. bye.